0: What to do when the motivation fades away? Find out on today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Thrive Themes, blazingly fast WordPress templates and plugins built to get more traffic, more subscribers, more clients, and more customers to you. To find out how Thrive Themes can turn your blog or website into a money-making work of art, go to servenomaster.com backslash Thrive Themes.
1: Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host.
0: I appreciate you guys being here with me. For another podcast episode i apologize it's the rainy season that means it's always raining now i do try and mix and match I, and this is normally when i would try and record more episodes inside using my inside studio but my son's just about to turn one next week and he is super loud and because it's raining he can't leave that he can't go outside so i can record it's kind of this catch-22 situation I didn't want to wait. I didn't want to get behind because this is such an important topic. I actually wrote down this topic idea last week and I was planning on doing it. And it's just the right moment. I just had a really amazing experience that it's the perfect timing. I actually just got off the phone with Amazon. They called me because they like my book, so i no master much. And I had this amazing phone call with a wonderful lady talking about my experience. They wanna ask some questions and maybe they're gonna do some advertising with me. I guess I'll find out. But just the fact that someone appreciated my book enough to wanna to talk to me and ask questions is very exciting. It makes me feel real, really good. It's a really wonderful experience for me to have that opportunity as someone who's been trying so long. It made me feel really good. And actually it was great because yesterday I was feeling a little bit down. We have these days where sometimes we don't even know why, but we feel a little down. I was actually feeling more amped up. I was feeling kind of like twitchy and I couldn't, I was sitting at my desk yesterday after, uh, a little before lunch. And I'm like, why do I feel so antsy? Why do I feel so jumpy? I don't know why I couldn't explain it, but I just felt like a little bit weird it happens. But sometimes we just feel down. Sometimes the motivation fades. Sometimes you work on a project for a long time and it takes too long. And this is something I'm getting more and more used to. Sometimes the space for a full product launch between idea and release is six or 12 months. When I wrote my very first book for another project, Girl Gets Ring, it took me more than a year to make the first dollar from that project. A full year to make a dollar, tough. It's hard to stay motivated when things can take so long. The thing I don't like about large businesses is that they're so slow to move. They're like these lumbering trains. I like being a smaller business that I can be agile and kind of pivot and make changes, but things still take time. I've been working on this new product that I'm launching on a new platform for like six months. It just takes a real long time to do something separate. Even when I do something that's inside of Certain Master, it still takes at least two, three months to, to go from idea to release. It takes a long time to do these things. That's just the nature of the beast. But when you're first getting into this game, it can be really tough to say, oh, I got to work on something for six months before I make any money. That stinks. How do I stay motivated? What do I do when I'm feeling down? And we've talked in the past about depression, how because you're working from home or you're working on a project on your own, and that isolation can affect you in a negative way. There's no people around to like chat to, and you don't go to the gym as much. You don't get that physical energy. All those things can add up and make it hard for you to stay strong on the course. And I find that A lot of times we can do two or three months. We do the first 80 or 90% of a project, and that's when we start to feel that loss of motivation. And so the best way to deal with that is to break up our goals into smaller tasks and goals. I have, if I look at the things I want to accomplish, just my list of things I want to get done, it's massive. It's thousands of hours of labor. It's too much. I want to finish all these projects. I almost took on a second new project last night. I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I resisted the urge to accept another project from someone that I'm kind of friends with. But the the money they offered was not what I normally accept. So it was too low. It was too much, you know, shenanigans. But that was one of the reasons I was feeling a little bit down. But it's so tempting to take on more and more and more. If I look at everything, I go, how could I get this all done? So I have to chop up every task into a little bit for each day. Here's what I'm going to do today. Here's what I'm going to do the next day. These little small tasks give me more control. They allow me to just focus on something achievable. So at the end of every day, I can go, oh, I got this done. So I'm working, let me just be totally honest with you, I'm working on a new product called Kindle Sniper. It's designed for a different market. It's designed for people that are really in the direct response space. It's designed for people that I can really get affiliates to send me traffic. It's designed to be a separate platform for Servo Master. So it's a different structure. It's a much smaller course than what I have inside of Master, my best on a box course. But it's kind of an entry level to Kindle because I kind of realized I only have my really big Kindle course. I don't have a small one for people to kind of dip their toe in and I wanted to create that. So that's something I've been working on for almost six months now. And as far as progress, I finished all the slides I haven't recorded anything yet and I haven't recorded any of the bonus materials and extra products that are going to go with it, the upsells and all the funnel stuff, a lot of the technical stuff that are required for a direct response type product, something where you're going to run in a different market. But I'm looking at all those things and yesterday I sat down, I was talking to my copy coach who helps me to write better and better sales letter because as you know, I'm a big believer in coaches and mentors and I changed my idea for that sales letter. I said, oh, I don't want to do this traditional idea let me show you my idea so what i do when i'm especially for my own stuff i start with my proof so i went and found statistics about the split between independent and professional authors i went and found how much do people spend on books that don't have an isbn which means they're not an official library of congress book they're a digital book i found all this data and then i found stories about how much money most independent authors make and i found this article that shows the most independent authors who write for themselves are living below the poverty line i go that's what I want to write about. That's amazing. So that becomes the centerpiece of the story. So yesterday I didn't actually write anything. All I did was organize all my proof images, my magazine articles, my statistics, all these pieces. And for me, that was the task for the day for that project. That's the one thing I worked on by cutting up my task into a manageable piece. I go, this is what I can do today. That sales letter isn't close to done. That's just the beginning. But by having that in place, I can then do other things because I have to work on other stuff that are more priority. But I created a task that I could finish in a single day and feel good about. I feel good that I accomplished something. The worst is when you're at the end of the day and you go, I don't feel like I accomplished anything. That's the feeling that grows and metastasizes into the feeling of this isn't going anywhere. I'm in a malaise. And eventually that malaise grows into depression, but I want to stop that before that happens. So break your dates into manageable chunks that have tasks and goals you want to accomplish and reward yourself when you accomplish them. Those steps are very, very important. And that's the reason I'm revealing so much about the inner workings of my business so that you can see how I do it, how I do the exact same thing. I don't need to mask anything from you. I like to provide a high level of transparency. Seeing the pieces should help you to understand what I'm doing understand where I'm going understanding how I overcome when I have a tough day when I'm on the phone with someone and I was trying to go to bed and someone's messaging me like crazy and then they say hey will you just do it and then I'll pay you a percentage on the back end I'm like how do I know they're going to be the sales I don't want to jump into that we don't have a proven track record and he goes well I'll pay you a dollar that didn't make me feel very good that's the last message I got before I went to bed I said, I'm not looking at this anymore. I'll look again in the morning because I must have misread that. Of course, I checked this morning, and that's still the message. And then I hopped on the phone. I had this amazing conversation. We can't always rely on external factors to cheer us up. So we want to put in place structures and pieces that help us to feel good, that help us to maintain the motivation. So part of it is having small tasks and goals for each day that we can feel good when we accomplish them. Another thing is that we have to really clearly define what our goals are. We always have these ephemeral or these like loose, vague goals, oh, I want to make money online, or oh, I want to lose weight, or what do you mean by that? Be more specific. <laughs> How much weight do you want to lose? When do you want to lose it by? You have to have a measurement and a time frame to have, for it to be a goal. Anything else is not a goal, it's a feeling. To so say, I want to write a book by December 4th, that's a real goal. Okay. I want to write a book and have it published by December 4th. That's a real goal. And you can see whether you've accomplished it or not. That's yes, no goal. And you have a date. I want to lose 20 pounds in the next six weeks. You mark six weeks on the calendar and you can track your weight and see if you did it or didn't do it. That's a goal that's achievable. I want to lose weight this year is not achievable. That's not a goal. It's like a nice feeling that's a missive. It's almost like a thank you card it has no value because we fail when we don't have goals we can achieve. That's why we often try things that don't succeed. So if you take a goal, let's say your goal is to write a book. You Say, I want to write a novel in 90 days. Okay, that's very, very manageable. Talked about this before. You then take that goal and you need to make it a little more specific. How many words will the book be or how many pages? Oh, it's gonna, let's just say 100 pages. You just have to write a page a day for the next 90 days and you're done. Once we have a really specific goal, we can chop it up. Just like I'm going to lose 20 pounds in six weeks, I know that I need to lose around three pounds a week, maybe a little more than three pounds a week for those six weeks. We start off with our big goal because it's specific, we can divide it up using that timeline. And that allows us to create smaller and smaller goals. Those pieces are absolutely critical. And that's how we can have things in front of us and know what we're supposed to do today and have a feeling accomplishment when we finish them. See, I'm working on a myriad of projects. If I was only working on the Kindle Sniper project, that was the only thing I was working on, it would be done in like a week. I could finish it and release it in one or two weeks. But it's not my full-time project, I'm also working on other projects, a copywriting project for a couple of different clients, I'm working on a couple of other things. So each day I have to divide up my day and accomplish something for each project. I have someone that I'm writing copy for that I have to deliver stuff every day. They say, oh, here's some things I need done today. And it's a really good project and it's really growing and the pay is really, really, really good. It's a really wonderful opportunity for him I'm very excited about. And so far, it's been a great relationship. But I have to do it every day. So he'll give me a list of things to do. And oftentimes, the whole list, he has a whole list inside a project manager that would take me two weeks to do everything. So every day I go, what do you need today? What's the priority? And I try to chop it up and get everything done for today in 90 minutes or two hours. That's how much time I can dedicate to that project right now. And if that project grows, it'll eventually become a larger portion of the day. So I chop up the tasks into something that's manageable so I can say, okay, I got everything done that you needed today." And then tomorrow I'll do the same thing again. And on the weekends I get to get a little bit ahead. I do a little extra work to get a little bit ahead. This allows me to accomplish a lot of things. This allows me to maintain a sense of success in each of the projects I'm working on. And it also keeps me feeling like I'm getting something done. Some days I step back from my desk and I go, I don't think I did anything today. What did I do today? That's the worst feeling. I don't want that to happen. Now, I am a terrible project manager. I, I'm always buying new project manager software, but I never enter my tasks into it. And then when I'm working on stuff, I tend to just go off the tasks in my head rather than the tasks uh, in the manager. So I kind of make a list in the top of my head. And go, These are the five things I want to do today in this order. So that's a flaw within me that I'm revealing to you. So don't think that I'm perfect. I, w- I don't really think, wow, he's the master of task management. I'm good at dividing up tasks into manageable chunks. I'm not good about writing them down because it would take me so long to write them in the task manager. I'm like, oh, I'd rather spend that time just doing them but I do think that would increase my efficiency. And in the past, I have tried to hire assistants whose entire job was to write down everything I was working on in a task manager. I tried to do that, it didn't really work out, but that's something else I tried in the past. I tried to outsource my task management, but you can't turn your assistant into your boss, it's too weird. Other ways we can get through those moments. Um, Other people call it the dip or that feeling of failure, that moment where most people quit right before success is by building up infrastructure and i know i use that word a lot in different ways i mean surrounding yourself by people and things that increase the likelihood of you succeeding someone i worked with a long time ago used to tell this story about the reason he succeeded with his business is that when he told his wife he wanted to quit and start this new business she was that sounds amazing do it she was his number one fan and super supportive of his dream Many people, and you know, if you're there, husbands, wives, we're in relationships, our partners often crave stability. And so they'll say, if you quit, what about the health insurance? If this happens, if that happens, their job, as they see it, is to temper you. That's not always a bad thing, but it can become a limiting thing. It can become something that causes us to quit if they don't believe in us. So there is a balance, and if you're a spouse, this is something to think about. Finding the balance between encouraging your partner to pursue their dreams and succeed, while not encouraging them to do things that are too risky. And that's a hard balance to follow. I'm lucky, I mean, I don't have the perfect marriage, no one does, but my wife is very supportive of what I do. I was already doing it before we met, so we didn't go through that transition together. But I've been in relationships in the past where the pressure was very intense on my career. And I don't have that here. I'm able to kind of pursue my own ideas. So what she could say is, hey, just stick to one thing that's working and don't do these other things. Don't try and expand. She could say that. And we'd have a little bit more security, a little bit more stability. The growth potential wouldn't be there so much, but we would have a really good, really stable existence. But she's willing to trust me a little bit. And I appreciate that. The people around you. And if you have a spouse who's very much grounded or very much a realist, no one wants to be called a pessimist, then you surround yourself by other people that counterbalance that and encourage you. Now, the reason I feel comfortable saying that to you is that I always encourage you to not spend money until you're profitable. Now, if I was saying, hey, don't listen to your wife, get a bunch of your friends to talk into buying my stuff, that would be sleazy. And there's some people that do that. I don't believe that. What I believe is get people to encourage you to finish your projects. I don't want you to buy anything from me until you've made money. I have my entire a $1,000 this month program to help you earn your first money before you ever buy anything from me. That's really critical. That's what allows me to say this. So surround yourself with people to counterbalance that. So you have encouragers and you have anchors or realists or pessimists, whatever you wanna call them. People that encourage you to fly to the stars and people that remind you that in outer space, there's no oxygen. So there's a balance and those are valuable. If we have too much of one, or too much of the other will strain the wrong direction. If we have too much, too many anchors, too much realism, we'll quit all the time. If we have too many dreamers, we'll pursue bad ideas for far longer than we should. If you watch any of the investment television shows that I watch, and I watch them all, if CNBC will put it on, I'll watch it. Any TV show where there's a rich person talking to a person who's poor, I'll watch it. I love all that stuff. Buy it from them, investing them, helping them grow their business, whatever. And you see people who all the time have a terrible idea and they won't let go of it. They're like, oh, I've been pursuing this for seven years. I've never sold one. I saw, and you don't get specific, but I watched one for investors who only invest in outdoor sports stuff. Because like I said, I'll watch anything. If they'll put it on, I'll watch it. And this guy had invented a backpack that was had a wheel on the bottom on the ground so you could carry more weight. He invented it in the early 1980s. He invented it so long ago that the patent has expired. Patents last for 25 years. You can then extend them if you want to. And I could talk about patents. I'm, a, I'm very interested in patents. I find them fascinating. But I have limited patent knowledge. But I could talk for ages about the techniques patent on turntables. That's one of my favorite patents to talk about. But he patented this backpack that had a wheel on it. Now... At first you look at it and you go, that's cool. If you walk on the side of the road, and he did a walk across America. That's really cool, man. He walked across America and it carried a lot of the weight. But then he wanted to sell the backpack to like the military for off-road. Uh, the problem is that when you have a wheel and you're going down like the side of a mountain or it's uneven terrain, the weight would get set to the left or right and cause the person to topple. <laughs> I watched it happen to someone on the show. Someone tried it and fell. So. It actually worked in some environments, but not in others. And obviously you can fix that with iterations. I'm sure there are ways to improve the design, but he invented this thing over 25 years ago. In those entire 25 years, he sold 10 units. He sold 10 of these backpack things. And he's like, this is gonna be the greatest invention of all time. He's trying to get investors, but the th- patents run out. You, it's anyone can make one. I can make one right now. That's why I can talk about I can make a backpack with a wheel right now. So if this guy could do, because his patent expired. If you have an idea and you haven't made money in 25 years it's probably a terrible idea so that's too much dreamer okay so i admit that people can go too far in that direction and usually people go too far in the other direction but there's a classic example of hey guess what if you built something no one wants it 25 years later no one still wants it probably time to change your idea just consider changing your idea find that balance surround yourself with people and things that can keep you on the course i have some very strict reward structures in my life. By having things in place, it helps me to stay focused. I, as you know, I mentioned in the past that I like to play video games. I got an email about this the other day. Someone was asking about my love of video games. And I only, I have a bunch of rules. I don't have any video games on my computer. Sometimes I see the sweetest games on a massive sale for my computer. Like, hey, $80 game, get it for $7. This is the greatest game of all time. And I never buy it. I never want to mix my work and my play. I separate them. That's why I own a PlayStation. I own the PlayStation, not because it's the greatest gaming device in the world. You can be an Xbox or a PlayStation guy. That's fine. I've had both. It's more that it helps me to clearly separate the two things. So I don't work on the PlayStation. That's impossible. And I don't play on the computer because I avoid buying those games. And in addition to that, I only play video games at the end of the day after I finish my other work stuff. It's tempting to... I could be in there right now, fire up the PlayStation, and start playing my new game. It'd be fun. But it will be irresponsible. When you have your own reward system, when you've gotten your tasks done for the day, you go, okay, now it's time for a reward. The more you put places, structures inside of each day to reward yourself for good behavior, you set up good habits, you exercise every day, you eat healthy, and when you get your work done, then you reward yourself with something fun. By having that in place every day, you have a really good balance. Whether you want to call it the yin and the yang, the spiritual, the physical, whatever. By having things in the day where you get rewarded every single time you do a good job, that's very valuable. That's why I like to write using Scrivener so every time I finish a couple of paragraphs I get to feel good. That feeling of goodness we get each time we feel a task is critical. So these structures in place are how you can prevent that feeling That loss of motivation, the feeling that it's not going anywhere, that you spent too long on something, it's never going to happen. I want you to break through that feeling. And when you're feeling down, when you're feeling like it's not working, what do I do? That's when you reach out to your team. If you reach out to a realist or pessimist spouse or friends, then they'll get you to quit. That's why you need to have the balance and have the people that will encourage you. So you need to know who to talk to at the right times. Sometimes I need to talk to my realists. Sometimes I need to hear this is a bad idea and I need that feedback, but I'm careful to get that feedback from people who've been there before. And I'm careful to get that feedback from people who are experts in what we're talking about. That's why I pay for mentors and coaches. Important to make sure that the source knows, because I can tell you people email me all the time with book ideas. I can tell you pretty quickly if it's a good or bad idea because I'm an expert in the field, but there are plenty of books that are great ideas that your friends will tell you are bad ideas and it's lack of expertise. So make sure when you talk, as good as you can, get realists who are experts in that area. Sometimes you need encouragement, sometimes you need realism. Building that team, whether it's a local mastermind or people you talk to on Skype or Facebook, it's very, very helpful, very valuable. So I want you to really take the time to plan out now How you're going to deal with those slow days, those moments where the motivation fades. And that way, when they happen, you can overcome those moments, break through, and see that massive success that's just on the other side of the mountain.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Serve No Master. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll be back tomorrow with more tips and tactics on how to escape that rat race. Head over to servenomaster.com forward slash podcasts now for your chance to win a free copy of Jonathan's bestseller, Serve No Master. All you have to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast. See you tomorrow.
0: Thank you for listening to the Serve No Master podcast. Head over to servenomaster.com backslash podcasts right now to find out how you can win a free copy of my brand new book.